The future is electrifying, exciting and terrifying in equal measure. In the race to net zero emissions, opportunities and challenges abound. Welcome to this series, exploring the ways in which we can green our energy use and reduce our environmental footprint in and around our homes. Interviews with industry professionals and passionate early movers will shed light on the processes and practicalities of making sustainable changes in your abode. I'm your host Elaine, a chartered systems engineer and a consultant in the sustainable energy and transport industry. Today's guest is Tom Allerton, a technical specialist and a colleague from Senex. Tom has long-standing experience with heat pumps in both a professional and a personal context. Welcome, Tom. I understand you've had an air source heat pump at your home for a few years. Could you tell us how long you've had it and also what your house is like? Yeah, sure. So um, I've had it for three and a half years now, I think. Um, So I've got what I think is a fairly typical house. It was built in the late 70s. Um, It's got cavity wall insulation. Um, I've upgraded the loft insulation to 30 centimetres or whatever it should be. Um, But it um, has partially double glazed windows, so not everything's double glazed. and um, otherwise, I think it's a pretty average house. It's not super modern, but it's not super old either. So I think it represents, um, yeah, a, a typical English house. Yeah, great. And I really interesting to hear that you're not even fully double glazed because you hear now everyone's like fabric first and um, you know insulation first, which obviously is important regardless of what heating system you have. But it's not a reason not to get an air source heat pump. You still have a gas boiler if you've got single glazing or you haven't got top insulation. So why not switch to air source even if you don't have all those? And there are some cases where because of if you're in a conservation area or a grade two listed building, for example, you might not be able to have um, double glazing, for example, and the best insulation. So I think that's a really good message. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what really matters is that your um, your heat pump is capable of supplying the heat demand to your house, and obviously having good insulation is is important um, as part of that because heat pumps tend to not be quite as powerful as as boilers. The the output is not always as high. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily need absolutely everything to make a heat pump work. Um, now, really. I, I you know my windows are in a terrible state and and probably should replace them with double glazing but you know I my house shows that you don't absolutely have to do that to make one work what's your EPC it is I think it's D rated I think having a, a, an EPC rating of D what that shows is um you don't necessarily need to have um a super well insulated house or 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 anything special in order to make a heat pump work so um, with the, the government looking to ban the sale of boilers before too long, heat pumps are one of the technologies, kind of really the only technology that's that's likely to take over in a big way um, unless hydrogen becomes big. And I think what my installation shows is that 
um, you don't necessarily need to, to do anything crazy in order to, to install a heat pump in an average house. And ultimately, that's what's going to have to happen um, if we stop selling heat pumps is a house like mine, which has an existing gas supply where installing a gas boiler is the obvious thing to do. Um, other than um, a bit of topping up the loft insulation, I didn't need to do anything um, out of the ordinary in order to make a heat pump work in my situation. You talked about sizing the system correctly. Is that something you have experience with as well, or is it something you just let your installer do? So it's probably worth giving you a bit of background um, about where where I come from, why why I decided to get a heat pump. Um, so I used to work for an energy company um, and I worked in a department where we looked at various different um, domestic technologies that could potentially reduce carbon emissions. Um, and the idea was that we would investigate them, uh, trial them in people's houses to understand how they worked um, and ultimately made the decision about whether it was something that that company wanted to commercialise. So we were looking at some things which were pretty uh, basic, uh, like heating controls, um, smart heating controls, um, things that were not technologically advanced, but quite unusual, such as um, solar thermal panels. And also some things that are actually a little bit out there and, and um, kind of on the edge, such as um, sterling engines and even fuel cells. Um, and somewhere in the middle of all that, we're also testing heat pumps, um, which are a technology that um, is quite well developed, but not widely used as a heating technology. Um, so we were running various trials of a few different heat pumps to see how they actually worked in reality. Um, so we had um, several different models which were competing against each other. Um, and that was really where I first understood what heat pumps were and that they could actually be used for heating. Um, several years down the line, um, I needed to replace my gas boiler because it was really old, not very efficient. Um, and the obvious thing to do was uh, get a replacement boiler. Um, I'm on the gas grid, so um, obviously I looked around and, and started getting some uh, quotes for gas boilers. But then a friend came to me and said, well, he was looking at heat pumps. So I thought, well, just a second, I've been working in this industry, looking at trying to reduce um, carbon emissions in homes. Actually, why aren't I looking at this as a technology? Um, I should actually be not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk. Um, so I started looking at um, you know, the possibility of getting getting heat pump um, and realised that actually it, it would make sense. Good friend and good timing. So what were your next steps after that point? Um, so I started doing a bit of uh, research into um, what it would actually require, what supplies are out there. Um, and obviously going back to the uh, research that we've done at, at my energy company, um, I was in a, a pretty good position to, to know that they do actually work, what some of the supplies were. Um, and um, use that to help me decide that actually I know that this would work. Um, so in my situation, I was able to use um, kind of my, my technological background and the research that I'd done as part of my work to, to know that it was even an option um, and know that it would actually work in my house. 
That's great. And so three and a half years ago, what was the price differential between, you said you got some gas boiler quotes and then obviously you got some air source heat pump quotes because you did in the end go with that. So what was the difference and what grants were available there at that time? Was, was there anything? Yeah, so the pure cost of a replacement boiler for me was going to be about £3,000. Um, and that was including actually moving the boiler to a different location to, to where it currently was. So it might have been a bit cheaper if I was just replacing like for like. Um, and the cost of the heat pump was around £10,000. Um, but there was available, and I believe there still is, the renewable heat incentive. Um, and what that does is pays you a, um, a fee every three months to cover the additional cost of installing the heat pump. Um, and it pays that for seven years and it's um, something that's dependent on what your heat demand is. So it, it pays you more if you need to, um, if you've got higher heat demand in your house. Um, and uh, what I did is, is did all the calculations to um, figure out actually what would be more expensive and the result was that actually over the seven year period of the heat pump uh, the heat pump would work out um, a little bit cheaper than what the gas boiler would have cost over the seven year period taking into account not just the installation cost but also uh, the estimated fuel costs over that period um, so actually um, once you included the RHI there wasn't really that much difference in the cost between the boiler and the heat pump. Of course, there's a few caveats to that. Um, I had to pay the £10,000 of the heat pump up front, so you do need a lot of money up front and you only get the RHI back over a period of time. And also it depends on what the relative cost of gas and electricity was. But actually in, in recent months, electricity has got a lot more expensive, which um, does make the um, fake the economics of it slightly less good compared to a gas boiler. To step back a bit, I can confirm that. So I've recently, in the last few months, been through the same process and the prices are quite similar. I think for us, moving a gas boiler was slightly more, so towards the £4,000 mark. So replacing, and but also moving the gas boiler and the um, air source heat pump was under 10k so nine and a half k so it's not too different and the rhi is still around till next spring and there has just recently been an announcement that from next spring there'll be a five thousand pound grant to support with upfront costs of the heat pumps as well yeah i was, I was reading that news with with a lot of interest yeah uh, so it's still yet to hear exactly what how the application process will work or the eligibility but hopefully similar to the Green Homes grant in terms of eligibility most people would be eligible. Let's talk about suppliers. How did you find your suppliers? What was the process involved there? What I decided to do was actually go to the um, MCS website um, and look through their list of MCS accredited suppliers. Um, so uh, the MCS is the uh, Microgeneration Certification Services, I think that's right, what it stands for. Um, and in order to install a heat pump and be eligible to receive the RHI, um, uh, uh, the company that installs it needs to be accredited by the MCS. Um, so they have a list of 
installers. Um, so I went through their list, looked for relatively local installers and, and just gave all of them a ring or contacted them on their website to um, just see what they could do. Um, even then, I would say that the response I got back was sometimes a little bit unusual. I, I'd say most of the um, suppliers either got back to me and said, no, we can't actually install a heat pump or just didn't get back to me at all. Or I remember one supplier in particular came back to me and, and said, uh, or, or installer, I should say, not supplier, came back to me uh, with just a two line email saying, yeah, we can install it for £15,000. And they didn't even ask me anything about my house or, or tell me what they were going to install. So it, it was it was not the most smooth process. Um, but having said that, throughout all that, I did have a couple of companies that, that were legitimate companies and came and did a proper survey of my house. Um, they measured everything up, um, did the proper calculations to understand what the heat loss uh, was going to be so they could size the unit correctly, uh, understand what new radiators I would need, look at where the pipes were running and, and where they would actually install the tank and everything. Um, and it was really a case of uh, seeing how the survey was done. Um, I could see these companies were actually ones that were, were doing a good job and taking it all seriously. So um, although there was a lot of... Um, uh, kind of rubbish companies I had to look through. Um, there were certainly a few that um, I did eventually get some some good decent quotes. Great. And do you have any tips for people who w won't be or might not be as knowledgeable as yourself in what to look out for, or if they do come across a supplier or installer that's not doing the right thing, not behaving correctly? Where might they be able to report? Is there an ombudsman? Is there anyone they can look to for support with this? Yeah, so if if you come across a company that you're certain is, is doing something a bit dodgy, definitely the MCS is um, an organisation you can go to because these companies have to be accredited to install these. And, and if they're not following uh, the right practices that they should be doing, um, then the MCS can take action against them. Um, and what I did discover as well is if you um, have a problem with the company that you actually use to install, um, then all of these companies have to belong to um, a certain what's called a consumer code, which gives you some guarantees as a consumer if things go wrong. So one example of this that this consumer code uh, does is means that any deposit you pay is um, separate from the company's finances. So if your installation company was to go bust, for instance, then your deposit will protect would be protected. Um, and that's actually a guarantee that you have automatically if you go to a company that's MCS accredited um, and that consumer code organisation can also help you resolve any issues. Um, so this is actually one good thing about MCS accreditation is there's actually quite a lot of um, uh, there's, there's quite a lot in the background that's going on, which does give you a lot of protection as a consumer if things do go wrong. Yeah, that's really good to hear that there's protections in place. I guess now if we, so you found your installer, you put your deposit down. What was the process like after that in terms of the installation, the time timelines? The process went relatively smoothly. So 
as I said, the first step in the process is the installer will come down, come come to your house and do a survey. Um, and that will obviously be looking at, at where things can go. So they'll be looking for a suitable spot outside to put the unit, um, which is um, shouldn't be too much of a problem for anyone with a with a garden. Um, I don't have a particularly big garden. Um, and there was a suitable spot to put it, but there are also rules around how far it can be from neighbours' fences, and um, obviously you don't want it obstructing doors or um, drains or things like that. Um, so there's there's a bit of work involved in in citing that, and then also understanding what route the pipes need to take to the tank. Um, the tank itself is an integral part of the system, um, unlike with um, uh, a lot of modern houses have combi boilers in, but there's no such thing as a uh, combi heat pump. So you need a tank in order to store the hot water, um, which wasn't a problem in my house because I had an, an existing tank anyway, um, because um, I, I didn't have a combi, combi boiler before. Um, having said that, I didn't actually use the same place for the tank because the, the tank for the heat pump was bigger than the existing tank because it has a lot of additional pumps and, and, and bits that go with it. So that's certainly something to watch out for, that you do need sufficient space in your house to, um, to, to site the tank. Uh, so that's something that they'll do on the survey. Um, and then, of course, it's measuring up the rooms to um, understand what size the radiators need to be. And, and that was one of the very important aspects, which even I wasn't aware of fully how important it was, even with the, the knowledge that I had around the technology in advance, was just how important radiator sizes would be. Um, so um, that, that was one of the important things they were, they were doing during, during the survey, is, is understanding what changes to the radiators need to be made. And just two questions there. One is with radiators, did you have to change any? And if not, what kind of radiators do you have? Do you have the double, the thicker ones or the single, double convector, I think they're called, or the single? Yeah, so all my radiators previously were just single panel without any convectors. So they were really mm. basic ones. Yeah. As I said, the house was built in the 70s and it was a kind of a really, a really basic uh, uh, radiator. Um, but that actually meant that when we did upgrade them, we they were mostly all replaced with double panel convectors. Um, so they are bigger than they used to be, but they certainly don't stand out. They don't, they don't. Mm. Um, yeah, they're, they're not um, overbearing in the room in any way, but yeah, nearly all of the radiators were replaced. There were a couple of rooms where we decided not to because they were very small rooms or um, uh, just a little bit difficult to replace and less, um, you know, we didn't really need uh, necessarily a bigger radiator there, but, but most of the radiators in the house were replaced. And do you mind me asking how much that was on top of the... The cost of the so that was actually included in the cost that I gave you uh, previously. So, um, yeah, about ten thousand pounds. So I, I think the cost of the radiators, um, separated out from that was probably six or seven hundred pounds, something like that. So it was a fairly small part of the whole installation cost, um, but it is a, a very important part of it. Um, and as for the installation itself, um, the installation took four days to complete. Um, 
day one was just replacing radiators um, and then the following days were actually installing uh, the rest of the system itself so placing the units outside and the pipe work uh, between the outdoor unit and the the tank inside and then connecting that tank up to the rest of the heating system and then filling everything up and, and testing and commissioning it sounds nice and easy uh, yes it was <laughs> it, it went pretty smoothly actually um i think that the, the the only hiccup they had with my system was um they couldn't get one of the pumps working and to the credit of the installer they were here till quite late figuring out why not and it turned out it was just a cable that was supplied as part of the heat pump was was faulty yeah. um <laughs> which is a, is a pretty pretty basic yeah. thing but also very easy to solve yeah. so uh, uh other than other than that small hitch it was actually a, a pretty straightforward installation um, and yes, it does take a bit longer than just replacing a boiler because there are more pipes and bits to install, but, but overall it was pretty straightforward. Right. Um, I guess the next kind of question would be about how you run the system. So obviously we've heard that you run an air source heat pump differently or a heat pump in general differently to a boiler. Uh, it's on usually for longer because it's on at a lower temperature. Um, how do you program it? How do you schedule your system or is it thermostat? probably yeah so um what you get is a, um, a, a control unit which in in my house is situated in the dining room and that gives you access to all the controls um the installer will normally set that up for you um to to operate in in the correct way for your house so um as you mentioned um compared to a gas boiler a heat pump runs at a lot lower temperature um, and as part of the surveying and understanding of the heat loss of your house, they will calculate what temperature it needs to run at in order to um, uh, supply enough heat to your house and they'll program it in with that. Um, now, a heat pump is more efficient the lower the temperature it runs at, but the heat pump is clever enough to only run at whatever temperature it needs. So in, in when you have warmer weather or when your house is already uh, warm, the heat pump will run at a lower temperature automatically. Um, so you don't need to worry about any of that. So all I need to set in the heating controller is just the on and off times I want. So um, I've just set it to come on for a, a few hours in the morning and a few hours in the evening or or these days when I'm working from home uh, a bit more often. It's, it's maybe on for a few more hours during the day. Um, and then the heat pump does the rest. It's got sensors which calculate the outdoor temperature and the indoor temperature and various other temperatures of the system. So it will automatically run to be um, most efficient for, for the heat demand that you give it. Um, and what's really quite neat about the, the heat pump that I have as well is there's a, um, a mobile interface to it. So I can just go to a website either on my phone or on another computer and I can switch it on and off uh, remotely. So um, that means that if I'm, say, coming home later from work and I don't need it on, I can tell it to delay when it comes on so I'm not uh, wasting energy heating my house when I'm not going to be there. And can you tell us what make model your heat pump is? Yep, so um, I have a Mitsubishi EcoDan. Um, uh, Mitsubishi um, are actually, a, I think they're a pretty common um, heat pump supplier. I think if you were to search the internet for, for domestic heat pumps, they'd probably come up near near the top. Um, and I chose them partly because they were one of the suppliers which um, 
we worked with when I was um, looking at heat pumps in uh, in one of the, the previous jobs I had. Um, but also because I know that that um, Mitsubishi are a pretty big supplier of of heat pumps and air conditioning units in general. Um, you know, there are they know what they're doing and they make some pretty good units. Um, and at the time, it was one of the few that did actually have this remote control capability, which is something I really wanted because um, there's nothing worse than setting your your heating to come on at a particular time. And then then you decide to to go somewhere else after work. And um, if if you're as energy and cost conscious as me, uh, you're sitting there frustrated that that your heating systems uh, burning, burning gas for electricity, heating an empty house. Absolutely. Um, and I guess maybe the decision on, on the supplier might have come in when thinking about the maintenance. Um, so, you know, you want to have a, a company that's well established that, you know, will still be there to provide any parts that you would need. But how has over the last three and a half years your annual maintenance gone? Has there been anything that has needed fixing or any, ex, you know, large uh, expenses or has it been relatively straightforward for you? I can honestly say there has been no problems whatsoever. It's it's been quite surprising. Nothing whatsoever has gone wrong. There's been no um, no need for any maintenance, no no sudden large expenses or anything like that. So it's run absolutely perfectly, um, which is is great. That is great news. And can you give us any more insight, perhaps from your previous work? Where what kind of things could go wrong? Maybe you know when it's a bit older, what kind of things would you watch out for? Or so um, I think when when we were trialing units um, uh, in my previous work, we I, I don't think we ever trialed them when they got to an age where you start to see a lot of um, a, a lot of breakdowns, um, but. Um, one thing that's worth noting with my my unit and i think installations in general is you tend to get a reasonably long warranty period of them so so mine has a seven-year warranty on it which matches the rhi um and um this was actually um um you know, one of the reasons why i went for this particular unit because um i knew that if anything does go wrong within the first seven years that that it will be fully warranted and and it, it should be um, you know, any part should be replaced with minimal cost. Now there are obviously some some general maintenance bits that need doing, like cleaning filters and and just checking that the level of coolant is um, or the level of antifreeze, the the glycol that stops the system freezing is is topped up sufficiently. Um, but they're all really really very basic um, basic issues. Um, I think my my kind of biggest concern is that the actual the the core of the heat pump itself um although um it's it's a relatively simple unit does have moving parts compressor and refrigerant that, that's going around the system i know that you know you can get leaks and and the various pumps and, and motors which run that will eventually wear out um so those are my biggest fears that something along those lines will go wrong um but so far nothing has and Ultimately, the technology that's that's in these units is no different to what's in a fridge or freezer. It's just scaled up um, quite a lot, and um, in my experience, fridges and freezers seem to be pretty reliable. So I'm, I'm hoping my heat pump will be equally as reliable. Yeah, fingers crossed. The, and and more reliable than gas boilers. Potentially, there's a lot more parts and 
Um, they always seem to rust and things, more parts go wrong in those. Exactly, yeah. You've, um, you know, ultimately inside a gas boiler, you've got fire at six or seven hundred yeah. degrees and and that's a pretty um uh, a pretty harsh environment for any materials and mm. and you're right i know um I, I remember when i was younger um coming home from somewhere with my parents running into the living room which is where the old back boiler was and and getting my feet wet because while well, we'd been away uh, it had sprung a leak <laughs> um now, uh, yeah, of, of course, um, things can still, still go wrong with heat pumps, but it's um, although they might be quite um, new as far as heating technologies are concerned, the actual technology itself that's involved, as I said earlier, was exactly the same as what's inside a fridge or a freezer, and that's certainly not a new technology. So we're not dealing with anything that's... Um, um, that's kind of on, on on the edge of scientific um, knowledge here. We're, we're dealing with technology that's been around for decades and is really well understood. One question I've remembered from based on our previous uh, chats and conversations we've had is um, to obviously the the way gas is a lot cheaper than electricity. Hopefully that will change because in order to incentivize decarbonization, it needs to change. Gas is a fossil fuel. Electricity is getting um, is generated more and more by renewable energy and obviously is lower carbon, therefore, than burning gas. So hopefully that will change at some point in the future. But there's not really any strong signs of that happening in the near future. And also there is the question of uh, a just transition and not pushing people into fuel poverty. So it might not happen in the near future and we don't know how that will happen. So my question is, how do you find the cheapest electricity tariffs in order to make the heat pump um, economical or as, as economical as possible? That's, that's a really good question, actually. So I have been chasing the the cheaper end of the um, the market for electricity prices. Um, so I do keep an eye on my my tariffs quite quite regularly, um, and I use websites such as USwitch to to compare my tariff against other available tariffs, and I make sure I switch to cheaper tariffs if they're available. It's just been very important to to try and make sure that I'm not paying too much for my electricity and. Uh, the usual advice on that is to to switch your supplier if you're able to. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of websites out there and, and other resources available to to help you find the best price. Um, unfortunately, what tends to happen is when you go for the, the cheaper suppliers is um, I've had a, a few suppliers that have gone bust on me, which um, is, is an interesting situation to be in. Um, but luckily, with all the protections in place from Ofgem, um you don't tend to lose out so if you have any credit balances with with suppliers that do go bust you've um that's protected but i i think as a result of me chasing the cheaper suppliers um that's happened a few times <laughs> <laughs> and w w what is the process if you have credit with a supplier that goes bust um it just all happens automatically oh, so perfect. Um, you'll be appointed a new supplier and your credit will just automatically get transferred over. So I've, I've never had any issues with that. I think we've covered quite a lot. It's been really great chatting with you, Tom. Um, I guess my final question would just be about what would you say to anyone whose boiler is on their last legs and who's thinking about what to do next? 
don't discount a heat pump just because you think it's a unusual technology or you don't know anyone else with it. Um, if you care about the environment and care about reducing carbon emissions, um, in most cases, it can be a sensible option. Um, I've certainly shown that um, I can have a heat pump in a perfectly average house and I can operate it in a way that's not so different from how I operated my uh, gas boiler previously. Um, over the seven year period of the RHI, it's not going to cost me much more than what a boiler would have cost anyway. Um, and I can do so in the knowledge that, that my house is emitting 70 or 80 percent less um, carbon than I would have done if if I had a gas boiler. And as the uh, in grid um, emissions reduce over time, as, as more renewables are installed, that, that figure just gets even better. So um, it, it really would be to consider your options, do some research, look at what installers are available, um, just phone some up and, and get a survey and, and see what they say. Um, um, because it absolutely can make sense and um, it's definitely the right thing to do. And I think the more people do it, um, the better. Great words of advice and encouragement. Thanks, Tom. No problem. Thank you very much. It's great to hear a different angle on how heat pumps can be a successful, sustainable heating solution in our homes. Unfortunately, this is the last episode of this mini-series. If you've enjoyed listening or you have suggestions for future interviews and episodes, please do write. You can find me, your host and producer, Elaine Meski, spelt M-E-S-K-H-I, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you for listening.